But I really want to encourage you uh, to, to, uh, to write it down and everything, because this, this is going to be some good stuff today. So, um, all right, today... Uh, you know what? We didn't do this yesterday, but we're going to do this today. Uh, it's because I, I, I think we were just so excited yesterday, we forgot to pray. <laughs> so, which is which is something that I actually forget to do from time to time, and that's that's sad. But uh, uh, one prayer request that I want to say uh, is I'd like to pray for. Uh, there's a guy that comes to our church named Wendell Franklin. Wendell Franklin is the police chief for North Tulsa, and he comes to our church. Um, and, and yesterday there was a shooting, really bad shooting that happened. He's got a whole bunch on his plate. Phenomenal godly man. Um, and if anybody can handle it, I'm, I, I'm 100% sure it's him. And so, um, and so just with everything that's happening, we're going to say, I'm going to add him into the prayer and also pray for a boundary study. So let's, let's go, God. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we lift up uh, Wendell and we pray for uh, peace. And we pray for uh, wisdom. And we pray for fast act, acting, Father God. And God, we pray for um, the right minds for people to be in, Father God. Uh, God, let uh, let reason uh, <laughs> let reason come in, Father God. But also, God, let peace and understanding come in too, Father God. Um, and so we lift him up, and we pray that that your spirit guides him today, God. And I also pray that your spirit is here, uh, God. Uh, we learned yesterday uh, interesting little boundary issue. Why are they needed? Why is a boundary with family needed? Privacy, Privacy? okay, yeah. To keep relationships healthy? To keep relationships healthy, okay, yeah. So you can grow up, up, all right, yeah, all right. On everybody's count, that's true, all right. Why are they hard? Why are boundaries with families hard? Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. You know, I, I find this really happens in the church a lot right now, is that when uh, someone wants to, when they're, uh, you know, when we want to sing something new or we want to do something new in the church, usually people have a hard, like people who were raised in the church have a hard time, not because they don't like change, but because they're, they don't want to change the way their mom and dad did it. They respect their mom and their dad. And they're thinking for some strange reason, if we change it, they're going to have a problem with that, which is really funny because my granddad, when <laughs> I know him, he, he doesn't have a problem with it, uh, that kind of stuff at all. When I was getting into ministry, uh, I was going to wait around till he died. Then I was going to go into ministry because that's what you do with family, right? That's, that's what I thought. And uh, he told me 10 years ago, he said, if you're waiting for me to die so that you can go into ministry, me and God are not going to be happy with you. And I was like, okay. I'm going to go then, he said, and I think you should. And I did. And I'm so glad I did. Because if then, I'd be waiting 10 years in New Mexico, and it would no longer, you know, I would not get to celebrate his life when I see him. It would be a countdown clock of, when am I going to get to go? When am I going to get to go? And that's why boundaries is, so, is, is such an important aspect uh, with family. It's, it's an important aspect because we need those boundaries set up. If my granddad didn't have those boundaries and going, Clint, it's more important for you to, to, he's like, do I want you around? Of course I want you around. I love you. But it's more important for us to have boundaries and you please God than to please me and your mom and all these other people. It is more important to have that. That was a very valuable lesson for me. And looking at my, looking at him and doing that, um, you know, and so, and, and so, you know, and, and you got to worry about things because you, you, sometimes you don't do things that your family approves of, you know, uh, and that always becomes an issue. And how do you handle that? You know, what if I told you that Jesus knows the struggles of family? He does. 
Uh, in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, Jesus said some things, uh, and he was talking to the crowd, and it says this, when Jesus' family heard what Jesus was doing, they went to take charge of Jesus, saying, he's out of his mind. I love that. I love that. Oh, don't listen to him. He's crazy. He's just crazy. Basket full of crazy, my brother. Don't worry about him. Crazy Jesus. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. He's out of his mind. And thank God Jesus didn't go, oh, you know what? Maybe I am. Yeah. My brother said so, and I grew up with him. Huh? He has my best interest at heart. Huh? I want to go with him. No. Jesus went, it's more important to do the will, the will of Father than what my family thinks. And so Jesus faced these problems, and he faced things doing things that your family wouldn't necessarily approve of. So boundaries issues with families is something Jesus is very familiar with, which I'm very thankful for that. And it's very needed. It is very needed in the world. So, as always, we have a Mickey Mouse video to show you the importance of boundaries in families. In that, what was, uh, what was the boundary issue right there, you think? Let's do a little, huh? Everything, Everything? like what? Eating all his food. What else, what else did Goofy do to Mickey? Sleeping in, the same bed. Sleeping in the same bed. All right. Acting like his grandma. Acting like it was his grandma. Yeah, there's a whole. Don't look, don't look at don't, yeah, all right. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that because there's so much. I mean, like when family comes over, it seems like with me, like we become totally different people. You know, like I mean, it's just it's just true. Like my kids love to watch like, you know, when my, my in-laws or my parents come into town, my kids love to watch cartoons and stuff. So we watch cartoons in the morning because I enjoy cartoons with them and everything. But when my in-laws come in, for some strange reason, we watch Fox News. You know, and just like, whoa. Well, what happened here? My kids are like, I'm bored. I'm like, me too. Don't worry about it. We're good. <laughs> like, you know? There's a boundary issue sometimes, you know? And I respect them, and I love them, you know? And that's, that's what we do, you know? We, and there are some, there's some healthy things in family that we do, you know, as well. Like, for instance, at Thanksgiving time, my dad's a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. I hate the Cowboys. I don't watch the Cowboys at all. But guess what we watch on Thanksgiving time? The Cowboys. Not because I love the Cowboys, because I love my dad. You know, and so, and they're usually playing the lines. That's usually why, you know. <laughs> but, you know, like, I mean, because my dad, I, I love him. I want to I please him. I want them when they come over, they feel at home. That's good stuff. But when it's when they are over and my whole life changes, and our whole life changes to fit their, their, their schedule and, and to, to where I need to morph so that they accept me, that's when boundary issues get a little skewed. You know, I feel like Mickey sometimes in the video just crying there and going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> Which is what a great, <laughs> it's so true. That's exactly what ended up happening. If your family issues will drive you so insane that you'll just end up usually in tears in a corner going, I don't know how to handle this. I don't know what to do. I don't want to upset anybody, but I'm going to start accepting pe uh, uh, you know, upsetting people. That's what I'm going to start doing. And we usually, we usually blow up over the littlest things. And when really... If I would have just set the boundary issue, if I would have just set up my boundaries and said, hey, I love you, but like, for instance, if you come to my house for Thanksgiving, I don't allow alcohol. I don't allow that in my house. I don't, I don't, and I have some cousins that would have a hard time with that, but they respect the boundary. And so, and so we have boundary issues set up. You need boundary issues set up with your family. 
It's important for them to know. It's not because I have anything, you know, that, and do they miraculously become sober for that weekend? No, they love me. And they know what I'm going to stand and what I'm not going to stand for. And so, and so that's very important. So here's some signs that we have lack of boundaries in family. First lack of sign is catching the virus. Has someone in your family had drama, then remark- remarkably you've caught that virus? And it had nothing to do with you at all? How did that make you feel? Why? It does. Yeah. You know, and, and usually when you're in the middle of it, you get so wrapped up in it that you're like, this isn't even my crap. <laughs> this isn't even my stuff. But yet somehow it became my stuff. You know? And so we catch that virus in, our, in, in the drama that lives in our family. Um, you know, and in, in later on in life, when you, when you become married or, you know, when you have a spouse or, you know, in, in, it's not good to have emotional and physical boundaries with the family you grew You know, for instance, when Kelsey and I first got married, uh, our dishwasher went out. And she, for the first, and she said, you know what, I'm going to call my dad. So she called her dad and she didn't call me that our dishwasher was out. And I told her, I said, hey, your dad probably knew how to fix it better than me. That's probably true. But it's my dishwasher. <laughs> you know? Like I said, I, I, have, I, have, I have the right to have first shot at that. That's what I, that's what I and there was, a, there was a boundary that was set up of going, I'm going to go to my husband. I'm not going to go to my dad for all my problems. And so there's some boundaries that need to be set up. Um, you know, if you're single and you don't have a spouse, you could be looking at it like, I'm going to go to God with my problems first. I'm going to go, I'm going to, go to God, and I'm not going to catch this virus. What do you do? Do you know you, uh, what do you do when the family drama starts happening and you find yourself being encompassed into it? What, how, how do you react? I'm out. You're out? Okay. You usually walk out? Yeah. Okay, try to fix it and it becomes your problem, okay, yeah. Walk away, all right, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, when, when, we have, when we have, we're going to talk about some, some practical ways to set up boundaries, but we have a choice, and I love to tell my family, that's your problem, not mine. Your lack of planning does not constitute my emergency. Very important, very important one. So a sign of a lack of boundary is catching the virus. The second part of lack of boundary is playing second fiddle. This is when one person in the family is more important than another. (laughs) Do we have any of those? You're causing people to feel like a second person even in their own family. Do you know what I'm talking about right there? And if you're sitting there going, I don't know what you're talking about. Chances are you are the person that people hold up in your family. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know? And so that, that, that's means, that means that there's one person in the family whose opinions matters, uh, or their opinions, their emotions, their everything matters more than yours. And that's called second fiddle, boundary problem. Um, it's a dangerous lack of a boundary, and it's the reason why most people fail to set up proper boundaries is because they feel like they're leftovers. They don't feel like they matter. And because they feel like they don't matter, 
they're going to do this self, the self-sabotaging sa- uh, prophecy of going, because I don't matter, I'm going to make it where you don't matter. You ever heard of things like black sheep in the family? I'm the black sheep of the family. What those people have usually done is just accepted their role as a second fiddle. And say, I don't matter, so I can do whatever I want. And that's an improper boundary. Uh, <laughs> this, the, uh, a third, a third uh, thing that is a sign of a lack of boundary is reoccurring financial re- irresponsibility. This is kind of funny because uh, we keep talking, uh, and, and a lot of these will come up in the boundaries. Finances plays a huge role in it. And the irresponsibility with finances means you have a, Ill lack, you have a lack of a boundary in there. Uh, this is a two-sided coin. The upside, uh, <laughs> that most people would call the upside, is when you live a life that's financially suitable for other people's lives, but not your own. So you have to rely on your family to keep up with that lifestyle. Does it make sense? So I, you know, and this happens a lot with our generation. They come out of college and they totally forget that usually a starter car is a Ford Fiesta. And they come out going, I want to drive a Cadillac Mercedes. You know, I don't even think that's one, you know, but like, but that's what they want to drive. They want to drive the luxury thing. I can't tell you how many people who would come into the, the, uh, the internship program at CMU and they would start studying with me and like, Clint, I just want to have what you have in campus ministry. And I would tell them, you do realize that took 10 years of work to get here. It took 10 work, years of work. I didn't just wake up one day and was like, hey, guess what? I'm going to be a minister. And Park Plaza said, hired! No. It took years and years of working to get to where we're at. And because, you know, and so, and so because of that, we think when we come out, I need to have these, I need to live this financially suitable life. I got to have the nice clothes, or I got to have the nice car, or I got to have all these things. And because I got to have all these things, we usually go to a thing called a credit card, and we live beyond our means. And if we live beyond our means, that's a huge boundary issue. It's massive. It's massive. To, you have to live within your means. Um, you may get the perks, but really you are selling out your self-respect and your dignity when you ask your family for money over and over again, and you're creating examples for others to live outside the means. You know, uh, I don't want to sell out things like self-respect and dignity so that I can drive a nice car. You know, I want, I want to earn those things. And so it's a boundary issue when we look at and we go, the, this financial irresponsibility. There's also another part of this coin that's the upside is that, you know, I rely on my family to keep up with this lifestyle. The other side of this coin is you are perpetually in a financial mess because of irresponsibility. And usually this remains, in, in extreme cases, it's like drug use and alcohol use, but in, in less extreme, it's like out of control spending. Or, you know, I, and, and, you know, this person usually says a thing like, I haven't found my niche syndrome. I haven't just found who I am. So these expensive shoes may help me find who I am. Which is true. Which is truth. And that happens over and over again. I know we laugh, but, you know, that, that happens. That's, that's a huge uh, boundary issue. Um, you know, being in a financial mess is, and, and it's not just, you know, I did it because I bought something. It's lack of, you know, like I didn't prioritize rent, so therefore I have no rent. And I can't tell you how many times I was in campus ministry and people would come up to me and go, I don't have enough money for my bills. What do I do? 
but you had enough money for the concert you went to the other night. We need to start prioritizing and looking at it. My electricity's going to turn off. Looks like you're going to have a cold shower. <laughs> Happens over and over again. I can't tell you how many times at church that people will come up to us and ask for help finding it. And I love how our church does it. Our church is very, you know, we're going to help. If we help you, there's going to be contingent. You know, like for instance, if we're going to help give you money, you can't smoke because you're buying stuff. And if you're buying those things, you need to spend your money wisely. You need to. And I don't feel like I should pay for that habit. And so it's your habit. You can have the habit, no problem. But a consequence of that is I'm not going to help you. And when we tell people that, they'll say things like, oh, well, the church just doesn't love people. And I'm like, no, what you're saying is my church doesn't love people. And we love you very much. We just want you to be cancer-free. Nerve! <laughs> we want you to spend your money wisely. We want you to do that. I'm not saying you have to quit smoking. I'm just saying I'm not going to pay for it. And they got a really bad problem with that. They do. They have a, a really, they have a huge issue with that. Um, you know, so it's, you know, and it's not just smoking or anything like that, but it's just we are, we are taking financial messes and we're asking our family to, to bail us out of those things. And as an adult, if I don't stand on my own financially, this is very important. I want you all to get this. As an adult, if I don't stand on my own financially, you are still a child. And I am not going to be a child. It's a boundary issue. Uh, to be an adult, you have to stand on your own, you have to know your limits, and you have to pay for your own failures. That's an important boundary issue. So it's a good boundary issue. But know with families, the first thing that my family wants to do is like, we want to help you. And sometimes I got to tell my family, I appreciate that, but I got it. It's okay. You know, if my kid needs a medical procedure, I don't need my dad going, I'll pay for it. I'll go, I appreciate that, Dad, and I love the fact you have that heart, but I'll pay for it. I got it. And so it's, an, it's important. It's important to know that financial, reoccurring financial irresponsibility is a huge boundary issue. The next one is a perpetual child syndrome. I call this syndrome, Mom, where's my meatloaf? <laughs> you know? And so this is, this is when the, the, you are acting like a child, and it may be financially on their own, but uh, also allows his family to pertain certain life management functions. This boundary issue usually deals with the compl uh, compliant, uh, compliant, but, is, but is, you, it is hugely about comf uh, being comfortable here. Um, is, uh, this relationship between parents and children are usually very happy because everyone knows their lane very well. I know this, the parents like, I know my lane and I'm going to take care of your stuff. That's my lane. And your lane is you're going to do everything I tell you. That's your lane. And we're going to go down this lane and we're going to keep going and it's going to be, we're all going to be happy and you're all going to be amazing. What's wrong with that boundary issue? When you get older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do when... I, this happened in campus ministry a lot, too. Uh, we would say things, they'd go to a family vacation, and they're like, I want to change my life. I don't want to become this major anymore. I, th I want to become a minister. I, I want to do the will of father. And parents would call and go, what did you do to my kid? And I'd go, nothing. <laughs> Jesus did it. Blame him. <laughs> you totally passed the buck. <laughs> you know I mean? And so, but, you know, this, this is when, when parents, you know, it's dangerous because it, it, it just doesn't affect their relationship, it, these people who struggle um, 
they struggle with the, their, their, uh, the people who are the kids in this are unable to com- commit uh, because of the relationship. They demand something. The, um, these, these friends are these people that are the perpetual child usually choose to be the bad guy. They have the bad boy or the bad girl motif. It's like, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to do that. Um, that's, that's what usually they have. And that's a huge sign of a boundary issue if your parents are dictating everything you do in life. That's a boundary issue. And I've seen it happen from people who happen right out of college, around 19. And we're like, oh, that, that makes a little more sense. I've seen it happen to people in 40. To where they're looking at and go, my mom, uh, you know, why don't, why don't you go do... Oh, why don't you do what you want to do? Take that vacation that you want to go. Oh, I always take my vacation with my family. <laughs> Why? Because it would upset my parents if I didn't. You're 40 years old. You're 40 years old. You should be able to make your own decisions. Is there anything wrong with you seeing your family? No. Is there anything wrong with, with going on vacation with your family? No. There is something wrong with that's the reason they love you is because you're always around. There is something wrong with that. And those are boundaries be issue, uh, issues. So, why do I act this way? There, there's, a, there's a certain number of things of why I act and why, why do I continue old boundary problems. Did you know that in, the, in, in Scripture it says this too, that it will be carried out from generation to generation to generation. You know how you break the generation? You set up, the generation continuation is you set up boundaries of saying, I am not going to do this any longer. I'm not going to behave this way any longer. For example, in my family, and this is all I know, so this is why I go to it a whole bunch of times. In my family, I have a history of alcoholism. That's what I have. So to break that cycle for my kids and break that cycle for me, I've decided I will not drink alcohol. That's a boundary issue. I'm not going to do it. Is there anything wrong with it? Maybe not for you. But there's something wrong with it for me. It's a boundary issue. I'm not going to do that. So uh, to break these issues, we've got to set up boundaries. And we've got to make sure that we do not uh, continue boundaries. So how do we, how do, we do it? Uh, why do we continue old boundary problems? First thing is lack of consequences for irresponsible behavior. If you want to set up boundaries, you need to start, fa- uh, start seeing the consequences and start accepting the consequences of your behavior. That's what you need to do. Nothing wrong with it, you just do. Does that mean you can't have those shoes? No, it doesn't mean that. It may mean that you have to wait two or three months to save up to get those shoes. Boundary issue. It means those shoes are not more important than food. Or a big one is I'm going to make my meals at home and I'm not going to eat out every meal. I'm going to set up boundary issues. It makes me laugh, this generation. <laughs> that, that, that really does make me laugh because they're like, man, I really want to learn how to cook. Oh, cool. How, how much do you get at home? Never. And how are you going to learn? You know, we think watching a 30-minute special on Food Network makes me a star. It doesn't. You've got to learn by trial and error and consequences. You know, we got we got to have consequences for and be responsible for, your, for our behavior. We've got to face those consequences. The next thing that we have to do is we have to, we have to face, uh, the reason why we, we go through old boundary issues is because we haven't been confronted. How many people like confrontation? There's only one. That's hilarious. It's like, usually no one. It's like, like Lynn does because Lynn's sick. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, but, you know, the reason why we, you know, if you're like me, you do everything in your power to get around confrontation. Everything in my power. 
So if I know Lynn's mad at me and Lynn is in the middle of the room, I'm literally going to go to every little nook and cranny around Lynn so that I don't have to face Lynn. That's what I'm going to have to do. But it's really in those moments, and that's what we do with our boundaries, as we go, as, you know, in that, that elephant in the room, it's like, I just don't want to, you know, I want to do my own thing, but I don't want to accept my parents, because I don't want to accept my parents and, 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 and accept my family and all that, I, I just, I'm just going to go do what they want me to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's because we don't want to face the confrontation of it. Is there certain other, is there other things that you need to do? Yeah, I need to work. I need to do these other things, but... You know, it's more important to keep the family happy. Yeah, but that's, and, and logically we can say that, and, and we mean that, but if you're ingrained in your, in your and that's, that's a really hard thing. It's a really hard thing. Yes, ma'am? No, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good thing. And, uh, you know, what I do is I had to realize that I didn't have to, I didn't have to prove to my parents anything. You know, uh, I realized that I didn't have to show my, my you know, I always, <laughs> first time I ever met Carol was in a Corpus Christi Waterburger. Me and her had a conversation. We had this, conver- you know, we had a conversation, and she's known as a tear whisperer. I've always heard stories, but I didn't get it. You know, I'm just like, I don't, I don't cry very easily. All right. I got things that happened in my past, and I haven't even touched those things. So we're good. You know, <laughs> like she can't, I'm clean, you know. <laughs> and, like, and so we were sitting there, and I said something, one thing about my dad. And she looked at me, and she said, you know, you don't have to please your dad. You just have to worry about pleasing your heavenly father. And I was like, I hate you so much. <laughs> like, like one of those things. It wasn't even like a good cry. Like I couldn't even enjoy Whataburger, you know? Like, I was like, like it was one of those things I was just like, oh. but it was, a huge, it was a huge revelation is that I don't have to please my parents. The only one that I have to worry about pleasing is God. And you know how you're reconciled with God? You're his. You're full of his Holy Spirit and you do his will. That's what, you, that's what you do. And so I, didn't, I, I stopped worrying about pleasing my folks. I started doing things that pleased God. And something remarkable happened with that. My folks actually started to become proud of me, which is really, I, I didn't expect that. And now my, my relationship with my folks is actually extremely strong. And the reason why it's strong, and they'll tell you this, is because my faith was unwavering in what God can do in their lives and what Jesus can do in mine. And we just kept going forward. And so with that, I would, I would say, you don't have to please them. They're not going to like it. There's going to be a long period of time that they're not. But strive after God. And strive after your community here that loves you and accepts you. And then they'll, they, can, they can come around. Will they? I don't know the answer to that. But they can. They can. And at the end of your life, you've pleased the one that matters. And, so, and that's what I would say is the most important thing about that. And so, but that's a great question. So lack of confrontation is why we, we, we um, continue boundary problems. Another pro- reason why we continue boundary problems is lack of limits. We need to set up the limits around us. Um, we need to take responsibility for ourselves and not others. So with my family, I started taking responsibility for myself, not my sisters and my mom and my dad. So, uh, so to change... This is very important. Uh, To change, we need to do a couple of things. We need to identify the sin. We're going to get to that real quick. Uh, So uh, to change, we must identify the sins of the family and we must turn from them. 
right? We must, turn, uh, uh, we, must, we must realize what our family did right, what our family did wrong, identify those things, and go, I want that in my life, I don't want that in my life, and, and then set a boundary and then go. That's what we do. That's how, you, that's how you create a boundary, is you look at it and go, I don't like the way my family always had to go on a vacation. I'm just using this as an example. So to set up a boundary issue, I'll go, you know what, I'll go on a vacation every once in once a while with you guys, but I'm going to do my own family vacation and make my own traditions. You just set up a boundary. Right or wrong, that's a boundary. And you've decided it. So um, we got to realize and we got to confess our sins of the family and confess them as sins, repent them as sins, and repent of them and change the way we deal with our boundary issues. We got to change it. So how do we do that? First and foremost, we got to realize that we are adopted. Oh, hold on. That we are adopted into a family. It says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, this. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to this world. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword, Jesus says. For I have come to turn a man against his father, against his daughter, against his mother, against his daughter-in-law, and against his mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be members of his own household. And anyone who loves their family, their father, their mother, or more, uh, more than me, is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their sons and daughter more than me is not worthy, worthy of me. Let me ask you this. Why did Jesus say that? I think what Jesus is saying is that our spiritual ties are closer and more important than even our family ties. Our spiritual ties to him and, and to God are more important than our family ties. They are. But if you act, and we'll have people that have a problem with this and go, no, my family ties are the most important. That's a God that will never be satisfied. He'll never be satisfied. You want to know the proof? Friends get married. They go to their, their folks, and probably some of you who are newly married are already facing this from your folks. When are we having grandchildren? What? What are you talking about? We just got married. Kelsey and I were asked that literally two months after our wedding. <laughs> when are you having kids? And Kelsey was like, not for like 16 years. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> we were like, we're not doing it. You know? We're not doing that. Because family is always like, one step. Well, when are we going to have kids? Oh, okay. Oh, and then now that we've had kids, hey, Clint, when are you moving back? Oh, Clint, when are you going to take care of mom and dad? Oh, Clint, when are you? And they just keep going more and more and more because it's an idol that will never be satisfied. It will always demand more. It says in Boundaries this, If our tries are truly loving, we will be separate and free of giving out of love and a purposeful heart. We will stay away from resentment, and we will love with limits, and we will not enable evil behaviors. So what do we have to do? Uh, what resolutions for, for finding about, uh, resolutions for finding boundary issues? Well, how do we create a resolution? First is, we need to identify the symptom. We need to identify the symptom. We need to identify what in our family is making them behave that way. What, what in our family is causing them to, uh, to do some of the things that they do. We've got to identify that and we've got to look at it. Uh, the second thing that we've got to do is we've got to identify the conflict. We have to identify the conflict. Discover wh- uh, what you are doing about the symptoms. You know, am I putting my family over God? That's a question you need to ask. 
Am I putting my family over my needs? Those are questions that you need to ask. And so you've got to identify the conflict. The third, uh, one of the things you've got to do is how am I acting out? Am I acting out as a third will? Am I misplacing responsibility? Am I com- uh, com- uh, commenting my, my, my frustrations to the right member of the family? You know, because we all got that one member of the family. You're not supposed to, you know. You know that if you tell Aunt Susie this, that the whole family's going to blow up. But yet you always find yourself talking to Aunt Susie. <laughs> Why? Maybe I like drama. <gasps> and those are issues that we need to, you need to look at and really truly ask. Uh, how, how am I acting out? Am I avoiding conflict? Those are questions that we need to ask. How am I acting out? We need to identify the needs that drive the conflict. We are not acting inappropriately for, we do not act inappropriately for no reason. There's a reason why you're acting inappropriately. Um, am I in, entangled in past family sin? You know, um, am I trying to fill a need uh, to be loved and approval that only God can, can fulfill, but I'm expecting my mom and my dad to fulfill that? And what, what is identifying, what, what, is, what is need, what is driving that conflict? Uh, another thing is take in and receive the good. It isn't enough to just accept you have a need. You must get that need met. Um, learn to respond to and receive love, even if we are clumsy at it at first. You know, uh, none of us came up out of the waters of baptism absolutely just perfect in handling conflict and in our sin. We were all kind of clumsy of it at the very beginning. And some of us are still kind of clumsy of it. The only one who was perfect was Jesus. And so we need his help in identifying that. Um, we need to say no to bad things in our life. Yep, say no to bad behaviors. Uh, you know, those are things that aren't good, that, that aren't very well. Uh, the, like uh, my, my dad's side of the family has a history of drinking. Or, but not just like kind of drinking. I'm talking about like really drinking. <laughs> and, uh, and going out on uh, the night before Thanksgiving and then showing up hungover Thanksgiving morning. That was my family. That's what they did. And I looked at the behavior and I was like, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to have to set up some boundaries where I, don't, where I don't behave that way. And so I don't want my family to do those. I don't want to do those things. And, and you know, my dad actually was a master at this because he's the one who said, I'm not going to behave this way and I'm not going to do that. And he was shunned by his brothers and sisters for it. And so, so you've got to say no to bad behaviors. You've got to do another thing. You've got to forgive the aggressors. Revenge keeps you tied to that person forever. Uh, forgiving them releases the chains and allows us to accept the good that can come from a terrible situation. And you forgive. We need to move on. The next thing that we need to do is respond, don't react. Reaction is an is a action that involves no thinking. Did you know that? Reaction is an is a, is a involuntary thing that involves no thinking. You are not in control when you react. What does that mean, you are not in control when you react? Muscle memory, okay. It's automatic. No. It's going to be awkward at first. Uh, my, my little sister and I, uh, like I said, I, I said this yesterday, Carrie and I, we fought a whole bunch. So when Kelsey and I, or Carrie and I were starting to be nice to each other, that was a weird thing. We, were, we had to get used to it. 
We had to get used to being nice to each other. And if you have a sibling that you love, consider that a huge advantage that you enjoy being time around. Because Carrie and I had to learn to be around each other. We had to learn how to do it. And I had to learn that when she said a comment, it wasn't all necessarily taken out of snarkiness. You know, and she's like, I like that shirt. And I'd go, what do you mean? And she goes, I just like your shirt. <laughs> and we had to do that with each other for a little bit and going, oh, well, thank you. And then back away slowly. <laughs> you know? We had to relearn how to interact with each other. Now we're to the point where we can stand each other for at least three days. That is a huge step forward. <laughs> it is. And, and, and you know, it's, it's really, really awesome to, to, to see that. So we gotta, you can't respond. You can't just, I mean, you can't just react. We have to respond. Respond means you remain in control you have op- options, and you have choices. So when my sister says, I like your shirt, I respond with, thank you. When internally, I'm even like, she's saying other things. And i got to set up boundaries within my own head of going, she doesn't necessarily mean other things. It's just for so long you've been fighting, and you, you're not used to compliments from her. And I've had to tell myself that. See, because one family, an outward, outward, that's why we did self at the very beginning, is because an outward thing means I got to go internalize it and means I need to have boundaries within my head too of going, okay, I need to process this and I need to pick it apart. I need to dissect it. I need to look at it and go, and some of you are going like, that's not me. That's not what I do. Bullhucky. You do do it. You just do not realize you do it because you're so used to reacting that you forget, I can respond. I can respond. And so it just happens very fast. So, <laughs> and so, uh, so we, uh, the last thing is that we learn to love freedom and not approval. Ooh. Let me go back to that one. We learn to love freedom and not <coughs> approval. Uh, learn freedom is... is uh, is one of the, is the thing that we really got to look at. It says in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I came to set you free, and you will be free indeed. And you will, it's, it's a very, very, uh, and, and looking at that and going that, learn to love and freedom is one of the most important things you can do. You got to love freedom that, God, that God's given you. Because a lot of us has looked at the freedom that God's given us and going, ah, I'm not going to uh, take advantage of it. And know that it's okay to have different thoughts than your family. It's okay to have different choices than your family. It's okay not to do things that your family would approve of. Um, but we have to have, we have to love the freedom that God's given us. And you're not, you, you know, you love things like freedom and responsibility and not guilt. <laughs> There's a part of us that hates mom, and, and moms, it's not necessarily moms, but our family's guilt that they put on us. There's a part of us that loves us because it makes us feel needed, right? You know, there's a part of us that's like, oh, mom cares. Well, she doesn't care about you, she cares about how you act. That's what guilt, that's what the guilt is. You're here, but you're not behaving in a way that I want you to behave. Oh, so now you've got to control me. You know, and those are some true issues. My mom just gave a, uh, she just actually stood before her church and gave her testimony. A lot of her testimony was how she dealt with me being abused. And she said, she said in, in this, she said, Clint would come to me 
and say how he felt. And because I didn't understand it and I was scared about what he was saying, I would tell him how he should feel. Because at least if I tell him how he should feel, then I can control it. And so what my mom didn't realize is she was just she was just basically wiring a bomb. And that bomb was about to go off. <laughs> and so and, and because I love things like my mom's guilt in that, that she's freely admitted to, so if she's listening to that, you've said this, not me. You know, like, like, and, so, and so because I love the guilt, or I love that that what my mom put on me, I didn't necessarily like the freedom. Now What's really interesting is that when we love freedom and responsibility and we cling to what God's given us, it'll be guilt-free. Your family may not understand it at first when you set up the boundaries or why you even set up the boundaries, but what's awesome is when, those, when your family starts mimicking those boundaries because they see health from it. They see good things happen in it, and they go, huh, maybe Sunday, maybe being sold out to God isn't a bad thing. My dad told me when I first became a minister, he said, I don't mind you being a minister, just don't go off the defense, son. And I was like, like, what do you mean? He said, like, you know, how Paul did it. Don't do that. What's really cool is I just had a conversation with my dad. He's like, man, I just want to be like Paul. Well, how do you think he got that way? It wasn't because my dad had this interesting thought of going, ha, well, look at this. I'm going to one day change my mind. No, he saw God work in my life. And he said, I want that to work in my life. I want that to happen. And it changed him. So your boundaries can have an everlasting effect where you change the people around you in in pretty amazing ways. So the conclusion is this. Families can be a rich, amazing, amazing experience. A practical guide that help you get your family and habits, um, to help your family get out of their habits and to get out of the habit of yourself is I would really look at this, this chapter again in boundaries of going, how can I set up boundaries? What can I do to, to do that? Um, it, may be, uh, it may be something as small as uh, Kelsey and I, like a small little boundary that we've done is that Christmas Eve, we always read the Christmas story. Or we'll, watch, uh, we'll also watch the, uh, the Charlie Brown episode, Snoopy, because my dad loves Snoopy, that always has the Christmas story in it. But here's the thing that we didn't do that we do before, is we talk about it. My sister was like, man, that's a good idea. I, we all knew that, Jesus, that Christmas was about Jesus, but I want my kids to know that Christmas is about Jesus. <laughs> you know? And so that's become a, a, that's become, that's become a boundary of we talk about Jesus. Another, another boundary that we've set up in our own family that Kelsey and I have set up that now I've seen other people do, which is really, really cool, is we have a Bible study and we're teaching Asher that it's okay to question what you read. It's okay to question what you read. You know, do you know how many people grow up thinking it's not okay to question the Bible? When God's like, test me and see if I'm not good. If you test, that means you ask questions. It's really funny to me that people, people find this, and I don't want Ash to grow up with it, and that's why we set this, ba- this family boundary up of going, it's okay to ask why David killed Goliath. That's okay to ask. It's okay to ask, how does that story have to do with Jesus? It's okay to ask that. It's okay to ask those kind of questions, and Asher's actually asking. He's learning that God, can, God is bigger than his questions, which is an awesome family boundary. What's really cool is now I'm seeing my little sister Callie do the same thing. Why? Because we set up boundaries and we start to do things different. 
And so when you set up, it's a remarkable and it's a fun thing and it can be a very, very rich experience. So uh, we're going to uh, take a, uh, about a five minute break, do some little calisthenics, uh, get some coffee, maybe some more donuts, and we'll reconvene in uh, about uh, five minutes, five minutes.